0: Our scripture lessons this morning as we begin our lengthy season of Kingdom Tide on this second Sunday after Pentecost. The lessons for those who will worship with us later come to us from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah chapter 12 verse 8 and reading through chapter 1 of verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 13 psalm 63 verses 1 through 8 The New Testament Epistle to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. And Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 18 through 24. So our Gospel lesson this morning finds Jesus at a very challenging moment here with his disciples. You see, both then and even today, There is enough misery in the world that if you say, the Messiah is coming, your message would probably be very well received. It's the proverbial help is on the way kind of message, the message of encouragement. Things are bad, things are rough, it's hard, but help is on the way, the Messiah is coming. You say that and your message is probably going to be pretty well received. But because of all the misery and suffering in the world, if you say the Messiah has come, your friends and family and others might be tempted to have you involuntarily committed. It would seem then that if you're the Messiah, the first task that you have is to get people to quit looking for one. Based on the conversation here with Jesus and his disciples, it would seem that this major task has been accomplished. In response to Jesus' question about his identity, Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the anointed one, you're the one that everyone has been looking for. So everything's good, right? The disciples can now go out and say to folks, Hey everyone, you can stop looking. Don't need to look anymore. Don't need to pray anymore. He's here. The disciples can now fan out and they can shout the news from every rooftop. They can rent space on billboards and buy some ad spots on radio and TV. They can flood Facebook and Twitter with the good news. They can launch a whirlwind tour of the surrounding towns and villages. Hey, everybody, you can stop your search. He's here. And so what Jesus does next just does not add up. It does not compute. Just at the moment when the disciples would be prepared to launch a massive public relations campaign, Jesus' strategy is to keep everything on the down low, to keep it quiet. It's a strategy that one biblical scholar many years later aptly named the messianic secret. The question that we have for Jesus, of course, is why? Why? As we attempt to answer that question, these many years later, we find ourselves, I think, in a situation very similar to what the disciples encounter here with respect to who Jesus really is. And just as Jesus warned the disciples to be careful about sharing who he was, the church of today faces a very daunting challenge in terms of how we proclaim Jesus to the world. Let me be more specific. There is still so much misery and suffering in this world that it can be very tempting for the church today to offer to the world a Jesus who is a magic bullet, a panacea, one who makes everything better, removes all ambiguity, and brings a quick and positive resolution to all your problems. When I was in high school, many, many, many years ago, there was a wonderful gospel artist named Andre Crouch. And he had a group, it was Andre Crouch and the Disciples. <laughs> and his music was very inspiring and uplifting to me when I was a teenager. And I had several of Andre Crouch's albums, and on one of them was a song entitled, Jesus is the Answer. And the, Crouch and his band would sing, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other for Jesus is the way." And that song gave me a lot of comfort as I was going through high school. A lot of strength and inspiration and I still believe that the spirit behind those lyrics is absolutely true. But if we are not careful, the church can end up offering a Jesus to the world who is little more than a guru who can help you in your search for success and self-fulfillment. In this consumer culture in which we live, it is very tempting for the church to offer to the world a Jesus who has the magic formula to make us happy and prosperous and self-fulfilled. One pastor puts it like this, We often treat God like we do a vending machine. When you walk up to a vending machine, you expect to insert the appropriate amount of money, press the correct number or code, and out will pop whatever you are hungry for. The whole process takes about 45 seconds. We expect the same things from God. Maybe not consciously, maybe we'd never say it, but we still assume that if we do all the right things, say all the right things, and have the right attitude, we can simply press a magic spiritual button and get whatever it is we desire in the moment. We're looking for quick spiritual transactions that do not lead to a deeper level of intimacy, but simply give us what we want. Perhaps it is this very struggle about how we proclaim Jesus to the world that is behind Jesus' strategy here when he says, it, keep it quiet. Don't say anything. The reason for his demand for silence is because the disciples here do not fully understand yet how Jesus will do his work as the Messiah. And because of that, they are likely to offer up a Messiah to the world that is quite unlike the Messiah that Jesus has come to be. Because you see, Jesus has come to to be the disciples, not their warlord, he has come to be their suffering lord. He says it right here in the text. He has not come to be their spiritual vending machine to help them to find themselves. He has come to help them to die to themselves. To find their true potential by giving their lives away in meaningful relationships with God and with others. He has come to invite them to a relationship that is not merely a growth process. It's more like a death struggle. And the way that Jesus will do God's work then will not be the heavy-handed way, the way of throwing his weight around and posturing himself as some new and improved product in the religious marketplace. Jesus will do God's will not by removing problems from people, but by sharing those problems and giving his life to redeem them. And because the way Jesus has come to do it is so foreign to these men at this point, he instructs them to stay quiet about it. Now obviously the church of today has not been called to be silent when it comes to proclaiming Jesus to the world. Indeed, we believe that Jesus is the answer for the world today, or we likely wouldn't be sitting here this morning. So the church is not called to silence, but the church is called to prudence and to discernment about the kind of Messiah that we offer to the world. We are called to be wise and careful about how we preach Jesus and about how we represent Christianity in what has become a vast religious marketplace. It could, I suppose, be very tempting for us at Epworth to want to offer to our community some sort of vending machine Christianity. To offer Jesus as the path to self-fulfillment instead of the one who calls us to self-sacrifice and suffering love. My brother told me yesterday on the phone about a large car show that he and his wife attended in the city where he is serving. It was put on by a large church in the community and after, after the car show as they were leaving everybody was given a little bag of treats and goodies and things and some promotional materials about the church that had sponsored the car show and in the materials, the the materials read, come just as you are there's no judgment here. Very tempting to offer to the world Jesus as some sort of magic bullet But his words from this text ring in our ears this morning so loudly that we cannot overlook them, reminding us of our calling, We are called to change our world, not by removing people's problems from them or offering them some kind of magic wand or magic bullet, but we are called to do so by doing what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit does, by walking alongside of people, by coming alongside of people in their pain and in their brokenness, and by sharing that pain and brokenness in some small, tangible way. As we come to the table this morning, The bread and the wine that we share together remind us that we can never hope to find ourselves. God, whatever that means. We can never hope to find ourselves until we lose ourselves. Until we are somehow caught up in the love of the one who gave himself for us. The Jesus who is offered to you at his table this morning is not the secret to a happy, healthy, prosperous life. I'm sorry to break that news to you. The Jesus that I offer you at his table this morning is the Jesus who suffered and bled and died as the result of saying, not my will, but yours, not what I want, but what you want. The Jesus that I offer to you at the table this morning is the Jesus who offers you fullness of life, yes. But he offers you that by way of a cross, a cross that you are called to help carry. As we come to the table this morning, as I always do, I invite you to come with faith. But I would also caution you this morning not to come to this table out of habit. As Jesus tells his disciples in today's Gospel, he is not the kind of Messiah that we want or expect. That includes you and me. He doesn't bring us fullness of life by always making our life easier. He brings us fullness of life by uniting us to himself and to his mission. And every time you come to the table, you are agreeing with Jesus, you are signing on the dotted line, you are agreeing with Jesus that this is what you also want, to be united with him in his mission and in his life, regardless of what that costs you. So let us come this morning with faith to receive all of the grace that he offers us and then let us rise up and go forth to offer to the world the real Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.